Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 93 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. Today, we discuss if you should be thinking about technique during a match, how to stop putting pressure on yourself, how to add extra spin to your backhand loop, and whether you should be using your shoulder as part of your forehand topspin. As always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Good morning, Jeff, and uh, another good morning here in Melbourne. Yes, it certainly is. Um, my wife's been laughing at me with my good morning to everybody, Alois, at the start of the show. Perhaps well, I need a, a new slogan um, or some way to start the show. Yeah, you sound a little bit Robin Williams-ish from... Um, What's that movie again? Oh, yes. Good morning, Vietnam. That's it. <laughs> good morning, Kingskillers. That's it. That's what we need. That's all we need. Okay. And for those that are in cricketing countries, I saw um, that England lost to Bangladesh and are out of the World Cup. Alice, what is going on? I don't know. All you English... People out there will be very disappointed uh, today, I am sure. Already, yeah. had a, already had a dig at a few of my uh, English friends, so um, we'll spare you guys. Yeah, although they tend to not care about the cricket as much, and they just focus on the, the football, or what we call soccer here. But um, unfortunately, the cricket's only on um, Foxtel here, or the pay television for all the matches except for the Australian ones, so I didn't get to see any of that. Um, but, yeah, anyway, let's hope Australia goes a bit better than England. <laughs> but, all right, I think we should get into the question because not everybody likes cricket, Alice, whereas everybody loves table tennis. That's it. You got it. <laughs> so yesterday's Ping Skiller question of the day was, is Fans and Dong, um, is Fans and Dog the best under-18 player ever? What are your yeah. thoughts, Alex? Yeah, I reckon that's interesting, um, this question, because um, I think there's a lot more opportunities for under-18 players now as far as, you know, World Junior Championships um, um, and World Junior Circuit uh, events as well. So, you know, Fan Zendong has really, uh, you know, come to the fore. He's number three in the world um, in, the, in the seniors. I think that is incredible. I was doing a little bit of a comparison with uh, with the great Waldner. Um, so Waldner, when he was 18, um, let me just have a quick squeeze of that. So Waldner, when he was 18, um, 1983, so he had become runner-up at the European Championships in 1982, which is huge. Um, he, when he was 18, he came ninth in the European Top 12, but then the next year he won the European Top 12, which at that stage, I mean, um, now it doesn't sound that great, you know, winning the European events, but in those days, the, a lot of the top players in the world uh, were from Europe, so so it was huge. Um, of course, he didn't have Olympics um, at that stage because the Olympics only started in 1988. Um, what else can we dig out for? Oh, the World Championships. Yeah, see, the World Championships in 1983 when he was um, 18, round of 16. Two years later, only got to the round of 32. Um, and then it took him until 1987, so, I mean, uh, to to come runner-up and then win the next time round. So, 
Um, he did also come runner-up at the World Cup in 1983. So, you know, that's, yeah, I think it's pretty impressive. But, you know, maybe the fact that, um, that Fan Zendong is number three in the world, I think, yeah, probably puts him ahead, I have to say. Yeah, that's interesting stats there. Um, and like you said, there were no world junior titles there for... Um, Walden to compare to, but yeah, number three in the world, unbelievable effort. Um, yeah, and we'll get to see him play at the Worlds this year, so it will be interesting to see how he goes at the Worlds, and uh, then we can make even more comparisons. That's right. So Walden, round of 16 when he was 18, let's see where Fan Zendong gets to. Yeah, I mean, it's always hard at a Worlds, and anything can happen, and, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but I've got a feeling he's going to make it further than the round of 16, but we'll see. We shall see. All right. Now, the Pink Skillers question of the day is, after winning the German national title again, is Bowl ready to take the world title? So we looked in pretty good form. Uh, we put a link up on our Facebook page. So if you haven't, go like us on Facebook, uh, www.facebook.com slash pingskills. You'll see that post plus plenty of others. Um, and then, yeah, let us know, is Bowl ready to take the world title again? We'd love to hear your thoughts. And Alice and I will give you our take on that uh, tomorrow. All right, so... Into the questions, Alois. First up, we've got one from Dieter, who says, Hi, guys. He says, Today, I read a few mental tips. The author said not to think about technique during a match because it will make your game slow. A club mate told me the same, but I had always thought you had to consciously bring what you've learned to match situations. What are your thoughts, Alois? Yeah, good, good, uh, good one, Dita. Um, it's it's a bit of a um, a process. So, initial, oh, sorry. Ultimately, what you do want to do is forget about technique and just play. If you if you are thinking about technique, it does slow you down a little bit. However, when we're starting to think about your development, it's important to make sure that you start to bring those techniques into into your match situation, which is quite difficult initially. And so it almost needs to be a bit more of a conscious thing to, to think about, okay, well, I need to make sure that I'm playing my strokes correctly. Eventually, as I said, and ultimately, that will all be completely automatic and you'll just be focusing on the ball, focusing on tactics for each point, um, using your pre-point routine. But there is a little bit of a, a stepping stone or a process to go through to get to that level. Yeah, very interesting. I love this topic, Alloys. And I've got a few um, anecdotes about it or stories about it, and I'd like to get your thoughts. So I've heard a lot of people describe it um, just like driving. Initially, when you first learn to drive, it's like you hop in the car and you see a car coming the other way and you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to get past it without hitting it. And it's really difficult and it takes quite a long time to get used to driving. But then after a while, it does become automatic. Like you'll drive to work and you won't even remember driving to work. So you've just done it all subconsciously. And I've heard some people say that that's how you should be in a match for table tennis. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. But then the other thing I've heard is that 
once you reach that subconscious stage, if you don't step back and deliberately look at your game, then you're not going to improve because you're doing everything subconsciously. So just like your thoughts on those two ideas. Yeah, so I certainly like um, the uh, driving analogy um, because it, yeah, it is it is really uh, it is really simple. I'm going through that at the moment with my daughter who's learning to drive. So um, yeah, initially, it's a lot of it's a lot about you know okay, now I've got to put my indicator on. Now I've got to you know press the brake. I've got to slow down, speed up. But but as you said, <laughs> now um, I often you know drive uh, miles and miles or kilometers kilometers and uh, and you just yeah don't even remember what you've done you don't, can't remember turning on your indicator or you can't remember um, you know pressing the brake or the accelerator it all just happens very automatically so that is the state that you do need to get to so your other point about um, you know taking a step back I think that's that's also important um, and just think about your improvement but I think a lot of that is also done in the training situation. So in the training situation, you're um, you're programming yourself to um, to execute things automatically in the game situation. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So in the games, once you get developed enough, try and be automatic and not think about your technique too much. But when you're practicing, make sure you've got to focus and and you're really deliberately trying to improve parts of your game. Yeah. Good All right. Great question, Dita. Love it. Good one. All right. Now we have one from Yoan who says, Hi, Alois. I recently noticed that I am not playing as well as I could because I put a lot of pressure on myself. How can I stop putting pressure on myself? Thank uh, you. Yeah, Yoan. It, um, it's something that we, we tend to do naturally. I think, firstly, you need to think about your expectations and think about um, setting yourself a few little little goals along the way. So what are you really out there trying to do? Um, if the goal is to purely win the match, then you're, you're going to be in trouble. So if the goal is to do something like, um, you know, stay focused, um, be relaxed, those sort of things, then you can win. Your opponent can win. Um, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, there's there's always one loser in the match. So, um, so yeah, don't put pressure on yourself thinking about winning the match on the scoreboard. Think about you know going through processes. Think about um, each point one at a time. Think about um, trying to execute the tactic that you want for that for that rally. So rather than yeah. Focusing on the finish and focusing on um, winning and losing, um, which does um, immediately add pressure to yourself. Think about the, the small processes that you can go through in the match. Yeah, another great question, Johan. Thanks for that one, and hopefully Alois' uh, words of wisdom there will help you out. Good luck. All right, next question is from Long, who says, I want to make a backhand loop, but my normal loop is not enough because it's not as strong as my forehand. So I want to make it better by increasing the spin. So how do I make a slow spinny loop or get more spin on the backhand? And then I'm going to add alloys. Is it also worth developing your backhand so it can be as strong as your forehand? But I'll just throw that in there. Yeah. So so with the um, with being able to play a slow backhand spinny loop, a couple of the keys. One is making sure that you're brushing the ball finely. 
um, and brushing the ball a little bit more vertically if you want um, the slower ball. If you go forward, you're going to get uh, the ball moving faster. If you go up more vertically, the ball's going to mo go slower and you'll be able to generate a lot of spin. Um, we've got a lesson on the forehand slow spinny, or we focused on the forehand of the slow um, spinny top spin lesson. Um, but, and you can apply the same principles to the to the backhand. So just making sure that you're brushing the ball finely. Uh, I think that's a, a really important stroke to um, to try and develop um, because if you're always trying to play your forehands, then you're going to um, you know be really struggling to get around uh, all the time. Um, as far as developing your backhand topspin to the level of your forehand, it's it's possible. You know, um, there's no reason why you can't hit the backhand just as hard as uh, with the forehand. Really, now um, you see you see some of the uh, the stronger players just really teeing off. Um, you know, the the main thing with with getting a bigger bigger uh, or faster backhand is getting a bigger swing. So uh, swinging from more out to the side of you and uh, and all the way through. So yeah, so. Give it a go. I think I think what you're doing is good. I think um, developing the spinny uh, backhand topspin is, is, can be a real weapon for you. So focus on those principles of a nice thin brushing contact and a little bit more vertical with your stroke. Yeah, it um, it does take a little bit of practice, but because you'd still need to swing your bat through quite fast, but it's very achievable with with practice, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. Just, I mean, like everything, just uh, practice because it's such a such a fine skill and a fine contact. It'll take a while, but uh, you'll get there. Just uh, keep working on it. All right. Thanks for the question, Long, and good luck. Hopefully, those tips help you out. All right. Now, um, the next question is from Johnny. He says, "Hey, today while I was playing, an experienced player watched me play." and told me to use my forearm and my elbow and not to use my whole arm and my shoulder. I'm just a bit confused as I've been taught to use my whole arm. What are your thoughts, yeah. Alois? Yeah, so it's a combination of all of those things. So, however, a lot of your, your movement comes from the forearm. So less movement comes from the shoulder. Um, your shoulder moves basically from this sort of position to that position there, so about, you know, from that sort of angle, whereas your bat and your forearm moves all the way from down here, all the way up there. So your, your forearm's definitely moving a lot more than your upper arm. However, you do need both things. So if you're only using your forearm, you're not getting the benefit of uh, the upper arm as well. So, so it's a combination of of all the parts of your arm, you know, from your fingers, your wrist, your bat, your wrist, your elbow, um, and your upper arm as well, um, to make a, an effective forehand. Okay, so that's a lot of things to concentrate on, isn't it? Um, you know, if you're thinking about the wrist and the forehand and the shoulder and the arm and the waist and the hips, which I guess is why you often say, Alois, that you should just concentrate on the start and finish position to begin with, and the rest will fall in place. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're focusing on the start and the finish, if you're finishing here, you have to be using your, your forearm. You can't get your back to touch your your um, your forehead if you're not using your upper arm. So so that's that's just a simple way of learning it um, and incorporates all of those things. So yeah, that's that's why we, we go through that 
simple little process. Great, excellent. Well, thanks for the question, Johnny, and hopefully Alois has cleared things up for you. Um, next question is from Lucas, who has jumped on and asked a question using the Google Q&A app. So thanks, Lucas. And anybody can ask a question live on the show by going to uh, plus.google.com slash pluspingskills. And Lucas's question is, so lately I've been watching a lot of Samsonov matches and I just don't understand the contact on his serve. When he serves, he doesn't really loosen his grip up much, but he still gets crazy amounts of side spin. How? <laughs> yeah. Um, it might look like he's using a lot of wrist, but he still is. He's still using a lot of a lot of wrist as he as he comes through <clears throat> very, very, very quickly. Um, and he's getting a very good contact on the ball. Um, the other thing is that because he's using the high toss, he you can generate more spin because the ball is dropping faster. So when the ball's dropping faster, it's moving faster, it's going to contact your bat faster, which comp which might compensate for a little bit of a less wrist, but um, the ball's moving faster, the bat's moving that speed, and you're going to generate more spin. So that's the advantage of that high toss serve um, for Samsonov. But if you have a look carefully, he does use a lot of wrist at the last second as well to, uh, to generate the spin. Yeah, it's interesting, Alice, because I see a lot of top players, they look effortless, and the serve might look effortless, and, and even their forehand toss ends look effortless, but on the serve, they get heaps of spin. On the forehand, they get heaps of power and heaps of speed, and you just sometimes wonder, how can they do that without even putting in any effort? Yeah, it's it's because it's because they're so practiced and so relaxed through the movement. So it then doesn't become an effort. You know, when we first start to to try and generate spin, we're doing this and we're really trying to get lots of spin by doing that. But Samsonov has the movement so well um, imprinted in his brain that it's completely effortless. It's just this. So he's just doing this. Um, it doesn't look like he's doing much, but the wrist is moving really fast. The ball's coming down fast. Beautiful combination. Lots of speed. Yeah, I, I read an article recently on Bill Murray, and he was talking about his career, and he found out early that if he was relaxed, everything was better. And he found that applied to you know his work and his comedy, and he just he's just a really relaxed character apparently, and he thinks it helps in all aspects of life. And it was. You know, it was interesting, and I thought, you know, similar things with table tennis. The more relaxed the player is, but still focused, seems to benefit them during matches. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a really interesting um, article by Bill Murray. Um, it, it absolutely translates to table tennis. You know, when um, when you are relaxed, you definitely play better. But you do need to go again through that process of learning and worrying, and you know, trying to drive the car thinking about turning on the indicators, thinking about turning at the right time um, until you get to the stage where you're proficient at those skills and you can become a little bit more relaxed uh, with it. Excellent. Great tip. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Uh, that wraps up episode 93. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. And thank you, Alois. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, apparently there's only about 47 days till the World Championship starts. So, yeah, start to, start to wind it up. 
Exactly. Let's let's get the countdown going. And in the meantime, make sure you visit pingskills.com and sign up for our free newsletter. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Have a great day.